The podcast you're about to listen to may contain random lines from musical theater, terrible attempts at regional accents, and a sincere discussion about mental health. You have been warned. Are you ready to start singing with your feet? Formidable! Allez, c'est parti! Juste dans la joie Une joie profonde Nos cœurs, elle inonde Cette joie, elle vient du ciel Non, nous ne sommes pas fous Welcome to Sing With Your Feet. My name is Lily Fields and I'm going to be your fairy godmother for the next half hour or so. We have been talking about our closets lately. At first, we made the point that our closets are full of things that aren't technically clothes anymore. Sure, they look like clothes, but they might have more the function of souvenirs or scrapbook items. Many of those things have absolutely no reason to be in our closets anymore taking up space, but our hearts are still so wrapped up in them that we can't bring ourselves to get them out of our lives. Being able to recognize the memories or the dreams that are represented by an item of clothing can help us separate from it. And this sometimes requires a grieving period. I mean, I remember when I finally was able to let go of a pair of pre-pregnancy jeans that I had held on for entirely too long. This may sound incredibly shallow, but I needed to grieve my body, that body that I would never get back again. I needed to be willing to recognize that my hips, which had birthed two healthy children, will never fit into that little pair of jeans again. And it wasn't just my body though. I discovered that I also needed to grieve the carefree, childless person that I was back then. Discarding a pair of jeans was made all the more difficult because there wasn't just the physical reality that I would never be able to wear those jeans again. There was a dream. A dream of being a person who could go anywhere, do anything, anytime I wanted to, and I needed to grieve that person. I had to grieve being a person who could hop on a flight for a weekend trip to Berlin with just a backpack and a toothbrush. Yes, that little pair of jeans represented a life that I would not get back, and that I will not get back at least for a very long time. Grieving for the life that we no longer have is an important part of decluttering our closet. But once the life we no longer have is out of our sight, and we can stop being reminded of it every single time we open our closet, we have more heart space to be living the life that we currently have. If you are a holdout to this idea, and you think that it sounds like gobbledygook, I can understand why. But for those of us who have tried it and have experienced the freedom from those subtle reminders, I promise, I promise, it's true. It isn't something you feel right away, keep in mind. What you feel right away is that your closet has more space in it and that things are easier to find in it. It becomes easier to choose what to wear for the day and month by month, we stop saying, I have nothing to wear. The freedom comes later. When you come across a photograph of that striped shirt you wore at the family reunion that you'd been holding onto because it was expensive, but that it reminded you of an argument that you had with your cousin. So you finally got rid of it and then you realize that you haven't thought about that med me bad memory in a really long time. Not since you got that shirt out of your closet for good. <laughs> 
it's like it's like having a headache. It's super annoying and painful, but we hardly notice the moment when that headache finally goes away. We humans have a hard time recognizing when something unpleasant disappears because by definition, things are kind of back to normal and we don't pay attention to normal. For those of us who have experienced the delight of that moment when we realize what a good idea had been to rehome those two small jeans or that striped shirt, we want to encourage you to give it a try. It's worth it. We've also been talking about doing a closet inventory. That's paying attention to what it is that we actually wear and starting a kind of spreadsheet to make note of where we got it, how much it cost, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and how many times we've worn it. We do this because it provides cold, hard facts about what is in our closet so that we can make better decisions about what comes into our closet in the future. Last week, we talked about doing the easy stuff that was putting the stuff that we don't like and never have liked into a black trash bag. We haven't done anything with that black trash bag yet, other than maybe suggested to a friend or a neighbor that we have some clothes that they might be interested in and that they are welcome to take a look at it. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but we also talked about putting aside some items in our closet that have potential. Things that we don't wear because there's something about them that we don't love, but that could possibly be altered or refashioned to become things that we do wear more often. This process that we're talking about here, it's not a once in a lifetime thing. For me, from start to finish of the closet inventory, it took one full year, a year in which I did not shop at all. I made a resolution that year to buy nothing. I had rules too. I had to wear everything that I owned or else I would have to rehome it. I had to learn how to mend socks and holes in t-shirts because I wouldn't be out there buying new ones. And I took it upon myself to learn a few techniques for altering clothes. It took one full year to take stock of everything I had and to figure out what had potential and what didn't. I used the time that I didn't spend shopping to work on my inventory. It's about shifting the priorities and choosing to make dealing with my closet a priority. Stopping shopping isn't easy. It takes a village, let me tell you. And that's why we're here together. When you are ready, though, you are ready. When you've had enough of feeling wasteful or when you finally have that flash that you only bought that that brawn panty set because you wanted something new and pretty to look at and not because you actually intended to wear it you know that you're ready but stopping shopping isn't all it's going to take to make your wardrobe decisions easier you will eventually have to get those things out of your home All right, so now you've gone through your closet and you've removed the easy things that clearly do not have their place in your life anymore. Those are in that famous black trash bag. You've separated out of things that have potential to bring you joy, and those are in the bin with a lid. So now you have, theoretically, only things in your closet that you really like and that you really wear. Side note, this probably isn't true yet, but don't beat yourself up over that there are some decisions that simply take longer to make. There isn't something wrong with you if you can't make them yet. Now comes the part where we actually get things out of our home. For so many of us, this is the part where we get stuck. We end up not knowing what to do with this stuff or worse, feeling guilty, 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 guilty about where it will end up. I want to address decluttering guilt 
right now. Because at some point, you are going to have to come to terms with the fact that you have more than you need and have things in your closet that you don't want. And very likely, you spent a lot of money on things that you are now ready to get rid of out of your life for good. Just perusing our closet inventories, we see in black and white how much money has been spent on our wardrobe. It can be staggering to see it all together in one place. We would never say withdraw that sum from the bank and then immediately take that sum and drop it in the garbage, would we? And yet here we are, seriously considering doing that with some trash bags full of clothes that we bought that we don't need or want anymore. So there is a real sense of guilt when we look at all these clothes that we have that we have to make the decision about and that we no longer want in our lives. Now, let's say that we were to write a donation check for that amount of money. That is the amount equivalent to the clothes that we want to get rid of. Well, we would like it to be going somewhere worthwhile, right? We would like our money to be used well. Now, there is no guarantee that our no- donation is going to go to people who really need it, but it's already a better option than the landfill, right? There is a feeling of helplessness when we come face to face with the reality of our close habit. Believe me, I know. This awful feeling of wastefulness is not what I want for my ideal life. But the awful truth is that the deed is done. The money has been wasted. Whether those clothes stay in my closet and never get worn, or if I give those clothes away to someone who will actually wear them, the damage to my wallet is done. Now, there are some of you that will see those black trash bags full of lovely things that you don't love and you will never wear, and you will see dollar signs behind your eyeballs thinking that perhaps you could make some money off of this. Now, this is not me, but if it is you, then more power to you. The consignment shops, the online resale markets like Vinted in Europe or Poshmark in the United States, or even the good old-fashioned garage sale, those could be some ways to recoup your losses, but they require some work. No, let me take that back. They require more than some work. They require a lot of work. I know some people who have had some modest success this way. And on the other side of the equation, I am so grateful to the people who put these things out there because I like to take advantage of the online resale market to be able to search for things that I really want. Like right now, my notifications are on for a pair of zebra print Converse all-star high tops in size seven and a half. My old pair has worn out and I am just waiting for someone out there to finish their closet cluttering and put them on the market for moi. But like I said, these things, they require work. Photographing, posting, back and forth, haggling with clients, mailing, radies, reviews, it can all be a hassle. But in the end, if you're willing to do all that and the money you get in return is worth it, then go for it. I will be rooting for you. The issue for me with this is that as long as the items are not sold, they need to be kept neatly somewhere. And they are probably going to keep on hanging there in your closet for some time. So you need to decide what's more important to you, making space in your closet, your head and your heart, or is it more important to recoup the money spent on bad decisions? Only you can make that call. If you do decide to go this route, please, please let me suggest that you set yourself an end date for this effort. Give yourself a month or maximum a year, after which you will start pursuing other options to dispose of the things that used to cause you to see dollar signs. The really excellent parts 
of going this route are knowing that you are doing your part to keep these items out of the landfill or from ending up clogging up the donation market, which is devastatingly oversaturated. And you could truly make someone's dream come true with those size seven and a half zebra printed Converse high tops show up in her notifications. <clears throat> so what else? If the secondhand resale isn't your cup of tea, then keeping items out of the landfill needs to be your next goal. So here we are talking about items that are in good condition, that maybe just need a button re-sewn on. These are the items that you know someone else could love. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of the closet swap. This can be formal or informal, and I certainly don't like to wait for the formal kind, so for me it's usually informal. If I've been going through my closet and discover that I have some things that a friend or a friend's daughter or a neighbor or a neighbor's cousin or someone I actually know or know of might want to have, I immediately send a text message. Get used to saying this. Hey, I know this might come out of nowhere, but I've been going through my closet and I have some really nice things that I don't wear anymore. I was thinking about you or about your daughter or about whoever. Could you or would you like them to take a look at it? Now, personally, I am not afraid of secondhand. Some people are. Some people don't like this and that's fine. They don't have to like it. That means that they won't have to take advantage of your offer. And you can either try someone else or know that you did your part. Do for others what you would want done for you, right? So in this case, if you would like for someone to randomly offer a collection of slightly loved items on your doorstep for you to look through, then don't be afraid to do it for someone else. I've already told you that my great closet inventory discovery is that most of the clothes I love are hand-me-downs from people that I know. Maybe it's because they didn't cost me a penny, or maybe it's because the people I love have a better eye for beautiful things than I do. In any case, the closet swap is the bomb. It's also completely okay that it only ever go in one direction. My husband's aunt regularly drops off items from her daughter's closets at my mother-in-law's house, knowing that I love to pour through the gorgeous things that they have discarded. It's become a tradition every time I visit my mother-in-law's house to see what Monique has left for me. More times than not, I will look at something and know absolutely that I have a friend that that item would be perfect for. It is 100% correlation. So I get to be the fairy godmother and deliver those things to my like-minded friends. I know that the temptation to simply drop off clothes in those anonymous donation bins or the Goodwill or Salvation Army, I know about that temptation. It's easy. It requires very little from us. But before doing that, if you can, just spare a thought for that friend or the neighbor's college-age daughter living on a shoestring budget. Decluttering our closets becomes a way of life, and the closet inventory helps us identify when an item is no longer pulling its weight in our closets. We can then more easily imagine that it might be a godsend to someone else. Then we can pass it on. It keeps it out of the landfill, has the potential to make someone else very happy. Do not be afraid to be someone's fairy godmother. Sometimes we just aren't able to find people that we know to give our hand-me-downs to. Or sometimes we're just so eager to get the stuff out of our homes that we just want to drop them off somewhere and be done with it. I've been there and I will not judge you for that move. My first choice in the donation category would be to give it to an association or a structure that will actually distribute it themselves. I'm talking about refugee or asylum seekers relocation services, organ organization and like suits for success. The kind of thing where you might actually find someone out on the street wearing your old clothes and know that in your community, you've helped make the world a better place. Then there are the Goodwill Salvation Army. I know that there have been some rather unflattering portraits of these places out there lately, but 
there is the good thing about it, which is that they employ people who have a hard time finding jobs. And they hire those people to do the sorting and the tagging. And so there is some good there. With all the negative things that have been said about these options in the last 10 years or so, I still, I still have this memory of when I was a child. And I was with my mother at Goodwill, and I saw a dress that my mother had made for me that no longer fit me. It was there, on the rack. I was so proud of that. That some other little girl would see that dress and want it for her own, and she would wear it proudly. For me, this showed that the cycle was rather short. We dropped off that dress at the Goodwill, and a few weeks later, it was on sale on the rack there. After the local community secondhand market, there are those big anonymous bins that swallow up our bags of clothes. However, this option is just one half a step up from the landfill. I saw in the New York Times an article about the entire industry that has sprung up around the secondhand clothing market. I believe that article was called something like Dead White Man's Clothes. I won't go into all the details because I can't really remember them. And, and you can easily Google this about it if you really, really, really want to read it. But I'm not here to make you feel bad about your life choices. While when we drop off our clothing after decluttering at one of those anonymous bins, we've done our part to clear out our head and our heart space. The life cycle of that item of clothing does not end. This is why, and I will never stop saying this, we need to stop impulse shopping and we must stop buying things that we don't need. We need to stop participating in the suffocation of the planet by our cast-offs. That said, yet again, there is still the chance that your clothes and shoes that go into those bins will maybe eventually go to someone in need, or they might be transformed into mattress stuffing or moving blankets and other recycled items. So drop them off with great hope. Now, there is one final last resort. Remember when I told you about the moth problem that crept up in my home after a well-intentioned friend gave me a basket full of clothes for my babies? I did not hesitate to throw every last infested item into the trash. I have made peace with the fact that many of those things will still be decomposing long after I'm dead. I mean, I remember an article about a person who wanted to see how long it would take for a pair of jeans to disintegrate, and they buried it in their backyard. Much to their chagrin, after several years, they dug it up, only to discover that the fibers were not just cotton, that these were stretchy jeans, and the elastic fibers were all that remained. In the perfect shape of jeans... In their backyard. These things could take centuries to decompose, but I would not wish a moth infestation on my worst enemy, so I made the decision to take everything to the dump. So if something has a real or a metaphorical infestation for you, and you can come to peace with that, then the landfill, as much as you and I probably don't love this option, might be your last resort. Listen, I your fairy godmother holds your heart space and your psychological well-being and your future good decisions in such high esteem that I believe that you will make this decision wisely. I believe in you and I trust you to make the decisions that you need to make. But now we need to start talking about how to make better decisions so that we don't let things get out of control again and so that our closet can become a source of joy for us. Elle me fait bondir et vibrer, crier. Elle me donne envie de chanter, danser. Elle pousse à agir, donner, partager. 
Et tout simplement de sourire You've made space in your closet now, disposing of the old things in responsible ways to the best of your ability. Now you are left with things that you like and that you actually wear. Please, now, please, please put away your credit card. Do not start shopping yet. Don't do it. Do not do it. Making better decisions about your closet does not mean you start shopping. Better wardrobe decisions start by wearing what you have, by figuring out what you like to wear with what, with what shoes, and sometimes even what underwear works best with what outfit. When you start regularly doing mise en place, that is the process of deciding exactly down to the skivvies what you're going to wear the next day in advance, you will find that you can rely on certain, well, I'd like to call them certain go-to outfits. These are things that reliably work together and that you don't have to spend more time thinking about. Next week, we'll talk about some of the methods for getting to this point, but right now, I want us to get down and dirty with mise en place. You know that feeling, that little panicky thought that says, I have nothing to wear. When do you get that thought? Oh, oh, you never get that thought? (laughs) Oh dear, maybe I'm the only one then. All right, then bear with me, Cinderella. Sometimes it happens to me that I will be standing in front of my closet about five minutes before I have to leave to go somewhere, and I will stand there, and I will stand there, and I will whine. I have nothing to wear. This is demonstrably false, as my indulgent husband would remind me. I have an entire rainbow full of gorgeous things to wear. But in that moment, in the heat of needing to make a decision... I am incapable of making a decision. I cannot see the forest for the trees in that moment. I simply have nothing that feels right. Just that little phrase, I have nothing to wear, it becomes a license at some point to go out and buy something that I don't need. Maybe, I think to myself, if I just had one more black tank top, I could avoid that paralyzing feeling of having nothing to wear. But that one little thing won't help. What will help is shifting the time of day at which I decide what I'm going to wear. Shifting it to a time of day when I am not feeling pressure to be making a decision. Shifting it to a time of day when I can think about where I am going, what would be appropriate, and maybe even wearing something that I haven't worn in a while. Allowing myself a little 10-minute stress-free window well in advance of needing to go anywhere means that I can think about the kind of day that I want to have, the kind of person I want to be, and how I want to feel the next day. I can make good decisions about the kind of footwear I should be wearing and the kind of undergarments I need to wear. Now, I don't wear a petticoat and a girdle every day, sure. I mean, I love to wear them, but don't get me wrong. But sometimes... Wearing a nude bra is preferable to wearing a hot pink one under a white t-shirt. And actually taking a moment to think about this the night before means that I can dig through my panty drawer to find the nude color bra and hang it up next to my polka dot socks that I got for Valentine's Day from my kids. Doing this in advance means that the next morning, when I get dressed, I have everything I need. Plus, I know it's clean. And plus, I know it will make my boys happy that I'm wearing the socks they chose me. I have things to wear. I just need to decide to wear them. This 
is how you start making better closet decisions. It isn't about spending more for a better quality something. It isn't about getting a bra fitting or about waiting for a sale. It's about actually wearing the things you own and learning to love them. Familiarity breeds affection. So wear the things that you already own, Cinderella. Wear them before you start shopping again. Planning ahead will allow you to wear a wider range of the things that you own because you aren't so stressed out that you just grab the first thing your hand lands on. Now, when you find an outfit that you really like, write it down or take a picture of it so that you can recreate it if you're feeling less than creative one day. These go-to outfits can help you immensely. You know that they work. You know what they all contain. So if those items are clean, you can put it on a hanger all together and then have it ready. Knowing what you have, loving what you have, taking care of future you. These are all ways to make better closet decisions. Next week, we're going to look at a few methods for making do with what we have in our closet. We're going to talk about the idea of the uniform, like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg, only for girls. And we're going to take a look at other methods, like something called the 10-item wardrobe or the... uh, I sure hate this term, but the capsule concept and my own personal method that I call the suitcase method, as well as other things like the seasonal changeover. So here we go. Here's the segment in the podcast in which I catch you up on my efforts to live out the golden rule this year. So people pleasers of the world, we understand each other intimately, don't we? We so badly want everybody to be happy and to feel special and to feel welcome. And yet we often have no idea how to handle it when somebody does something nice for us. Like, when someone opens the door for me, I tend to make a really big deal out of it. This is so dumb, I'll admit it. But just the other day, someone held the door open for me and I did this, I did this stupid curtsy. And I said, oh, I thank you in the dumbest possible voice. So when a few seconds later, I held the door open for this very same person since we were headed in the same direction and they made a big deal out of it, I was utterly embarrassed by it. I was like, oh my goodness, just calm down. It's just a door. And so here I am realizing that I had just done that exactly same thing for that person. So note to self, think about how you would want someone to act when you do something nice for them and then do it. Don't go being embarrassing and stupid. All right. All right, Cinderella, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You are amazing. You're beautiful. And I am still so honored that you're taking the time out of your day to spend it with me. If you're standing in front of your closet and you need some help making decisions about what to declutter and what to keep, and you would like somebody to help you think through it, let me know. I am here. You can reach me on Instagram at singwithyourfeet or by email lily at singwithyourfeet.com. That's lily, L-I-L-Y. Be great this week, Cinderella. I believe in you. I want to give a great big thank you to Seven Productions here in Mulhouse, France for the use of the song La Joie as the intro and outro to the program, to Matt Kugler, who you can find on social media as Matt-K, who sang it, and to the fabulous Claude Ecoué, who wrote it. This is your fairy godmother signing off. Just remember, it's never too late to start singing with your feet.